0: In a world where trust is shattered and darkness looms, one man's journey from
1: betrayal to redemption will captivate your heart. Absolutely, even if Absolutely. you don't
2: take them, if you have a relative that is a Christian, yes, allow them to take the kids.
1: I like that. Because yeah, because it's
2: like you—you you may not want Jesus,
1: but thrown Ooh. into a detention center, he grappled with the harsh reality of being
0: imprisoned mentally and physically.
1: At that moment, I told myself. I'm not going behind bars no more. Betrayed and deceived by the one he trusted most.
2: So now we're about to enter into this part of your life where you're cheated on.
1: It was rough for me. Bought teddy bears for her, flowers. And my heart just got squeezed and beat upon and crushed and stuck. In the depths of his despair, he questioned God's plan. I said... I said, you don't know what just happened to me, Meg."
0: But amidst the darkness, a glimmer of hope emerged. He found solace in the teachings of a higher power. And in
1: that moment, he discovered a new purpose. Out with the old. In with the new. In with the new. The Holy Spirit came inside of me. From being lost to salvation, this is the story of
0: Nick. Coming soon, this summer on July 1st on YouTube and all podcast platforms.
1: Welcome to the Call by God podcast with Adney Godin and myself, Nixon Sylvain. This show is about dialogues of biblical characters and testimonies of Christians who submitted to the will of God. Each week, we'll bring on one guest so that they can share their story of how they were called by God. I hope this show inspires you. Enjoy. Hello and welcome world to the call by God podcast. I'm yours truly Nixon Sylvain and I'm here with Adney Godin and our special guest brother Smith. How y'all doing on this blessed day?
2: Oh brother Nick we've made it through another year. (sighs) <sighs> it's just one of those days when God just allows you to just really exhale and said, I got you through my child. So I am just so honored and blessed to be in the year 2022.
0: Yeah, I echo those same sentiments. Amen. I echo those same sentiments and uh, uh, looking forward to what God has in store for
1: the year 2022. Wow. I can't believe it's 2022, y'all. We made it. We made it by the grace of God. But I think the, the beauty of, of, of yeah, I think the beauty of this show is that, uh, and, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the good news and salvation. And in December, we had the opportunity uh, to engage in a dialogue about Jesus Christ. How do y'all feel about that, those episodes? I mean, it, it blessed my life.
2: I I am in awe of him. And I say that it's like every time I read the gospels and every time I go deeper, just to see him as a human and see him as the the divine father of our souls, to, to look at him in those two different aspects and realize that everything I feel He already felt it and he fights for me. He continuously intercedes for me. That to me is just powerful. And then to see him on the cross, the heart of forgiveness that he had teaching me, us, that same forgiveness, because y'all know when people cross us, (laughs) We just want to be like, bruh, cancel culture? Yeah. Is that because is, I, I was, the, I, I think I was doing cancel culture before cancel culture was a thing, okay? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, you could have canceled me, but you didn't. You literally said, because of Adney, I'm going to go on this cross. Because of Nick, I'm going to go on this cross. Daryl, I'm going to go on this cross. And the most amazing thing is, we weren't even thought of, but he knew we would be here. So to me, that's just so beautiful.
0: Yeah, so let beautiful. me just uh, piggyback off that. Uh, <clears throat> so interesting that you went the whole forgiveness route. <laughs> because <laughs> while, while while you while you were canceling folk, I was cutting folk like Peter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, that we, just, we we just appreciate. You know, I mean, uh, there we. If we had a thousand tons, it still wouldn't be enough to sing the praises of God, the Son. Uh, Like we've stated before in times past, he has a ministry that is different from uh, the Father and the Holy Spirit in that Christ came here and fully embraced the human experience. And, uh, you know, the thing that comes to mind most when I think about Jesus, the Incarnation especially, is You know, the time when he was with Moses at the burning bush and Moses asked the question, who will I say, you know, to the people you are? And God says, I am that I am, which simply means, you know, I will be whatever I will be. God is everything. (laughs) He's everything to us. You know, in the moments when we need a mother, that's what he is. In the moments when we need a father, that's what he is. In the moments when we need a friend that's what, who he is. And so he's whatever we need him to be. And so it doesn't get any better than that.
1: And you know what, that's interesting that you said that whatever that we want him to be. And, you know, like you say, he, he's a, a mother to the motherless, a father to the fatherless. Cause I, I you know, I used uh, you know, mention all that. I started you know reflect on, uh, before Christ, before I gave my life to Christ, you know, I grew up without a dad and my mom, my mom, she died when I was young. So there was no love in the house. There was no love. But it wasn't until someone started to, you know, share the gospel with me and they told me, hey, don't you know there's someone that loves you? Because I didn't even know what love was. You know, obviously I was searching love in the wrong places. When I came in uh contact and in fellowship uh with uh Jesus Christ, uh, I mean it changed everything for me. I didn't know that that there was someone out there in the universe, Jesus, God himself, that loved me, and I was I man, that thing broke me down so uh I'm excited to talk about this uh bonus episode. God has definitely been been good to us, you know to allow us to talk you know in December, like I alluded to, uh, we all came together and we talked about Jesus, so we had four episodes, we had Jesus and the prophecy episode one. We had episode two, zero, when Jesus was zero for zero, zero to 12 years old. Episode three, Jesus' ministry. And episode four, the plot when he was crucified, his death, burial, and resurrection. And then now we're going to bring you the bonus episode. But if you haven't listened to episode one and four, please go back and listen. It's going to bless you. I tell you, I mean, just... Just the name Jesus alone is a blessing, but imagine hearing a discussion about Jesus. I'm telling you, it will bless you. So now we're in this bonus episode, and it is called The Good News and Salvation. You know, folks love good news. Folks don't like to hear bad news. When you say, hey, man, I got bad news, folks be like, or you could say, I got good news and bad news. Which one you want to hear first? So (laughs) folks be like, man, you know what, just just give me the bad news first, (laughs) right? But But we're going to bring to you good news and the good news come from Jesus Christ. And we're going to have our dear brother, Brother Daryl, give us a breakdown of how this good news came about. First of all, he's going to give us the bad news. Like I said, he was going (laughs) to give us the the good news and the good, the bad news comes from the the Tower of Babel. And he's going to talk about the good news from the promise that that um you know happened in Acts chapter two and how salvation was brought to all the nation. Brother Daryl Smith, man, it's all yours, man, and we'll chime in when we can.
0: All right, that's all right, that sounds good. Uh hello everybody, uh, CBD CBG Podcast. So honored and blessed to be here. As always, I counted it a privilege to be a spokesperson for uh the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Uh, he was sitting there talking about bad news, and I was sitting there thinking to myself, "Okay, the bad the bad news might be that y'all stuck with me for about 40, <laughs> 45 minutes, <laughs> but but we'll do the <laughs> we'll do the best that we can." Uh, as uh, Brother Dick stated earlier, I'm, uh, I've been tasked with. Uh, going into detail and uh, really trying my best to show the uh, significance of Jesus, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Uh, And of course, uh, how that pertains to us and our salvation uh, by way of looking at uh, one specific rebellion that we see in scripture, and that would be of the Tower of Babel. And then we'll do our very best to tie that into the gospel, uh, taking a close look at Matthew Uh, And then on to Acts chapter 2. And so to that end, let me go ahead and get started. Uh, And as I said, I'll do the very best that I can. I do want to say that a lot of the uh, study and notes and material that I present today uh, uh, really comes from uh, one of my favorite theologians. His name is uh, Michael Heiser, Dr. Michael Heiser. uh, And God has blessed him in a mighty way. Uh, with his studies and his journey, Uh, you know, uh, being a uh, professor and uh, a student of the ancient Semitic languages and, you know, just studying basically all of his life. Excuse me. And so uh, let's go ahead and get started. Um, I want to start this the way uh, he starts many of his uh, presentations. And that is, if you were to ask, uh, you know, Christians today, you know, what's wrong with the world? Why is the world the way that it is? Uh, many would point to Genesis chapter three and the fall and and right, rightfully so. And uh, to be honest with you, I believe that uh, uh, was a topic that we touched on uh, in one of the previous episodes dealing with Jesus. We wanted to show how um, significant Jesus and his ministry was. And in order to do that, you, <clears throat> in order to do that, you have to, uh, uh, deal with the fall and deal with uh, some of the rebellions that we see in Scripture. But now, if you were to ask an ancient Israelite what's wrong with the world, they would point to not only Genesis 3, but they would point to Genesis 6 and Genesis 11. Okay, those are some of the rebellions that we have recorded in Scripture. And so <clears throat> what we're going to do is focus on the Tower of Babel. That is over in Genesis chapter 11. And if you don't mind, I, I'm going to uh, pick and choose in terms of reading some of the scriptures to you. So let's just go over to Genesis uh, chapter 11. Uh, and there is a, there you will find a very familiar uh, story or account, I should say, uh, of the Tower of Babel. OK, and just kind of briefly uh, paraphrasing here, it's the earth and the people at that time were all of one language. OK, and that what they uh, took upon themselves to do, obviously, uh, we can tell you don't need uh, to be a, a, a theologian to, to understand this. If God is coming down to shut you down, then obviously what you are doing uh, is contrary to his will, his word, his way. And so Genesis 11, uh, and let me just start at verse number one. I'm going to try to read uh, with rapidity uh, and as much alacrity as I can right here. Now the whole world had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and they had tar for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top reaches to the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered all over the face of the whole earth. Verse number five says, then Yahweh came down to see the city and the tower that humankind was building. And Yahweh said, behold, they are one people with one language. And this only the beginning of what they will do so now nothing that they intend to do will be impossible for them. come let us go down and confuse their language there so that they will not understand each other's language so Yahweh scattered them from uh, from there over the face of the whole earth and they stopped building the city therefore its name was called Babel. For there, Yahweh confused the language of the whole earth, and there Yahweh scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Now, I can remember being a young kid growing up, you know, in church, quote unquote, and hearing this scripture or this story or this account told many times. But oftentimes it was stopped there. And you kind of have this sense that, okay, they were building a city whose tower was to reach up to heaven. And you know, young, very young, uh, immature mind. There, you think of a really, really tall building or construction project that uh, they—they're just trying to go as high as they can. But it—it it, it really goes deeper than that. Most scholars believe uh, that the actual physical place there was something that was called a uh, a ziggurat. And so, a ziggurat was basically a. A sort of uh temple that they would make and they would dedicate to their own gods. Okay, they were trying to, if I can fast forward a little bit here, they were trying to recapture Eden. Okay, now this is important and this ties into uh Genesis chapter three, Genesis one, chapters one through three, because we all know in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and he Put man and woman in the garden. And what you have with the garden is the presence of God. It was God's original intention. It was God wanting to have a human family, his terrestrial family, and his celestial family all together in one spot. Obviously, somebody had a problem with that, the original rebel. And so God's original intent is, is, is clear. In the first two chapters, chapter three is where we get the fall. OK, and from that point on, God has been trying to recreate the Eden experience. OK. The issue is that we have it has to be accomplished on God's terms. It cannot be accomplished in any other way. OK. And so you will see uh, repetitive things Uh, Throughout the Genesis uh, chapters, when God uh, deals with Adam and Eve, he says, you know, uh, be fruitful and multiply. Right. You'll see the same thing uh, when he when he deals with Noah, be fruitful and multiply. Okay, Um, But again, man keeps messing up. So you have these rebellions. Genesis 11 shows you how deep that rebellion goes, so much so to the point to where God says, I'm done with this. And I'm going to show you in just a minute. He says, I'm done with this. And then he starts to enact another uh, scheme of redemption. Okay, Uh, and we'll see that in just a minute. Another scheme of redemption with one that we know as Abraham, the father of faith. Okay, so uh, when we get to Genesis 11. oftentimes many people do not associate another verse that is crucial to the Tower of Babel event, okay? Oftentimes when we, we, we hear or we're exposed to Genesis 11, we stop there, okay? But there's another scripture in the Old Testament that gives you more insight to what happened at the Tower of Babel. Now, remember, we just read Genesis 11, and we found there that the people were of one language, OK, whatever it, whatever it was they were doing, basically trying to recapture Eden on their own terms. And, you know, uh, uh, having a god uh, come down and be worshipped in their temple, the ziggurat, uh, what they were doing, it was so bad. And so uh, it, it was against God's word so much so to the point that God had to come down and confuse them. And he did that by the difference of languages. Now, the other scripture that is attached to this is Deuteronomy chapter 32. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 32. And we're going to look at verses 8 and 9. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 8 and 9. For those of you who maybe are trying to
1: find. So let me ask you, you a question before trying- you start um, reading the, the um, passage. Sure. So I guess sure. it, it's safe to say that if someone is listening to this podcast, so they could agree that this is where all the languages come from. You know, you talk about people that all the various languages throughout the whole earth. If This is where the original languages originated from?
0: I would lean that way because this is where you will get the different nations. And we're going to flesh that out. We're going to flesh that out here in uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter uh, 32 here. So, yeah, I would say yes. Okay. All right. So Deuteronomy chapter 32. And let me get there. Let me make sure I'm in the right place here. There we go. All right. Now, this is uh, by way of title, uh, it's entitled uh, The Song of Moses. When you get to the very uh, beginning of uh, chapter 32 and uh, technically verse number 30 of of chapter 31, uh, it's entitled The Song of Moses. When he gets to verse number eight, let me read this very quickly. Moses says, when the most high, and we know who that is, that's God. When the most high gave to the nations, there it is. And I want you to highlight the term nations because that's going to be somewhat of a recurring theme throughout this, this podcast. When the most high, when God gave to the nations their inheritance, watch this. When he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Okay? But here's here here's his plan. Okay? Here's his plan. Verse number nine. But the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob had. Uh, his allotted heritage. Okay, so let me read that again. Uh, Verse number nine, but the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. And we know Jacob to be Israel. Israel is God's chosen people. Okay, and we'll see that. uh, uh, Well, you see that throughout all of scripture. And so what you have here is when you look at these uh, specific three rebellions, the Genesis 3, the Genesis 6, Genesis 11, these are rebellions that really shape the entire Bible. They shape the rest of Scripture all the way down to Revelation. Okay, Because what you have is God getting back his original intent, which is what we see in Eden the first time and that is to be that is to dwell with man okay uh the way he did in the original scriptures Genesis 1 uh, in the back in the original uh Eden uh experience God with Adam with Eve and uh just very quickly let me uh, let me just help you to understand that you know uh Adam Adam, that's a term that can refer to a specific person, but it is also a term that refers to mankind, okay? And so, yes, uh, both things can be true. You do have one person, one man, one woman in Eden, but it is also a reference to mankind itself. And so that was God's original intent. He wanted to live with mankind, okay, when we were to be in his presence. Uh, just fast forward today, uh, real quickly, those of us who are saved, Okay. We receive the Holy Spirit. Well, guess what? That's God's presence. That's a form of the Edenic experience. Okay. God is living with us. And then when, you know, let's fast forward uh, to the the uh, final roundup of all human affairs, when God comes back, right? He's going to bring back the whole Eden experience. We are going to live with him. Okay. That has always been uh, the intent from the get-go. And so now when you merge the two scriptures together, the Genesis 11 account and then the Deuteronomy 2 uh, I'm sorry Deuteronomy 32 uh, verses 8 and 9. Uh, let me just go over this again verse number eight when the Most High God gave to the nations their inheritance. when he divided mankind, there it is your nations, he fixed the borders of the peoples according this is key right here. According to the number of the sons of God. Now, sons of God there has reference to the celestial beings. And so what God says essentially, and, and it's important for me to make this 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 note here, uh, because you'll have some translations that will say uh, the sons of uh, Israel, which is not true. Okay, that's a mis- Uh, that's, that, that's, uh, uh, um, that's incorrect. Let me say it like that. Uh, the Masoretic text, those of you who like to really get deep in your studies, the Masoretic text has sons of Israel. The dead sea scrolls gives us the correct rendering of the scripture and says the sons of God. Why is that significant? Because the sons of God is specifically telling you the celestial beings, Whereas the Masoretic text is telling you, sons of Israel, what's the difference? Sons of God, celestial beings. Sons of Israel, human. Okay. Now, this extends, I think, also to uh, the previous rebellion, which was Genesis 6. And now, you know, Genesis 6 is not without its controversy. You have a lot who believe that the sons of God represented in Genesis 6 are actually human. I don't take that position. Um, I believe that the sons of God are the celestial beings, okay, who fell away, okay? And we're going to see them fall away here with this particular one in the Tower of Babel in just a minute, uh, the Deuteronomy 32, chapter 32, 8 and 9 scripture. I'll give you some, I'll give you another scripture that will help to prove the point that these are sons of God, celestial beings. But you have that, you have that, uh, uh, sort of that uh, uh, that, that uh, sort of difficulty with uh, the interpretation of whether or not these are celestial beings or, or human. Again, like I said, with regards to Genesis 6, I take the position that the sons of God are celestial beings. Uh, and the reason being is because when we go there, and maybe that could be another podcast where we go deep into Genesis 6, but uh, I take that position because when you have... <clears throat> the phrase, the sons of God, and then you have the daughters of men. And then you have another classification of uh, uh, or group of people in Genesis six called the Nephilim. Well, it doesn't make sense for me to have sons of God be human, go into daughters of men who are human, and then produce a hybrid being, which is called the Nephilim. That does not make sense to me. If the Nephilim are going to be hybrid beings, meaning that they, you know, they're they're different from humanity, then you got to have something different in the equation when you're talking about sons of God and daughters of men. Clearly, we know the daughters of men are human. Okay. And so if that union between the sons of God and the daughters of men are going to produce a hybrid being in the Nephilim, the giant, the Rephaim, all these other eems that you see in Genesis 6, then I, I don't take the position that sons of God are human.
2: Stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: Thank you for making it midway through this episode. We want to take a moment to sincerely thank each and every one of you who have been supporting our show. Your encouragement and positive feedback mean the world to us. We want to continue to bring you inspiring and thought-provoking content each week, and that's where we need your help. We kindly ask you to support our podcast by clicking on the link provided in the description below. Your support will enable us to grow, reach a wider audience, and continue to produce the quality content you enjoy. We truly appreciate your support and value your contribution to the Call by God podcast. Together, let's inspire and uplift others in their faith journey. Thank you once again for your continued support, and we look forward to bringing you more enlightening episodes in the future. God bless.
2: Okay, so what if a person, because when you read of um, angels or the sons of God, they don't have reproductive organs from what, you know, some people study, how do you explain that to them and how they came with the daughters? And the reason I'm asking is somebody out there is like, okay, hold on. I don't know what he's talking about because that's crazy because they don't have reproductive organs. So can you explain that as you move forward?
0: Sure. That's a, a great point. Throughout the the uh, Old Testament and, and even in the New Testament, in some cases, you have uh, uh, celestial beings coming throughout scripture, right? And, um, the correct term for that, uh, is called theophanies. Okay. So you will have, uh, let's go to, uh, some of the scriptures we've been calling already. Genesis one, when the scripture there, the writer, the author tells you that, um, God came down in the garden of Eden. He was walking in the cool of the day. Okay. You have the term "walking," that's descriptive of embodiment. Walking, okay. When you have, you know, some of the popular ones, uh, the burning bush, you know, that's that's a theophany when God meets with Abraham. Three men, y'all see that? That's embodiment. Three men come down, and not only do they come down, Abraham makes a meal for them. You see what I'm saying? So the celestial beings, when they come and they interact with the terrestrial, they have to assume a form of embodiment Okay, Uh, in their proper state. No, they're not going to reproduce. There's nothing that I find uh, in scripture or in secular writings that have angels reproducing. If they're going to do that, they have to assume a body in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Now, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that gives, and this disti- uh, distinction needs to be made, that gives great significance to what Christ did. See, Christ, Christ, when you when you're looking at uh, the the Spirit of God walking in the cool of the day in Genesis one, that's Christ's. That's a theophany of Christ when you see the pillar uh, of fire by night and the cloud of smoke by day and all that stuff that's that's a theophany that's Christ okay when Joshua sees the commander of the Lord's army with a sword in hand that's that's a theophany that's Christ right but when you get to when when, when you get to that virgin mary and and, and she has She's with child of the Holy Spirit. That's the incarnation. And that is different because the incarnation is Christ. And you've heard me say this several times before. That's Christ embracing the human experience. You get what I'm saying? See, when he's coming to you and, you know, these writers are trying to, you know, these writers are fainting. one of my favorite is Daniel. When he tells you, whoa, this being is there, and his his, his face was bright, and they were they they're trying their best to explain to you what the, what this is, and and it's scary, it's terrifying because if somebody's sitting there looking at you and his voice sounds like a multitude of oceans and the seas, and 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 you know you're looking at his eyes and it's like fire, <laughs> yeah, I, I would faint too. That's that's what Daniel told you. He's like, I fainted, <laughs> but. But what Christ did and, and, and see and all that, you know, when these theophanies, they still can't experience what a headache is. They can't experience what it is if you trip down and, you know, you scrape your knee or whatever the case is, ouch, you know, uh, or, or wake up tired. They can't they can't tell you that. But but that incarnation, when when Christ embraced the human experience, he comes through a woman. And he grows up. The previous podcasts that we did—that's the difference, and that's why Christ is who, and that's why he's so significant, and that's why who he he is, who he is, because he he embraced the human experience. The incarnation and theophanies are different. So that's a great question, great question. And so yes, um, you know, y'all have to forgive me. I, I get on a tangent sometimes because this stuff get good to me. But uh, to to, to reiterate the answer to your question, uh, the, the celestial beings will have to have or assume some type of embodiment. And that's why in Genesis 6, you've got sons of God coming into the daughters of men, producing hybrid beings. Okay. And so here in Genesis 32, when you see the phrase sons of God, okay, I take the position. that that is, again, referring to celestial beings. And we're going to see that proven in another scripture in just a few minutes here. So back at verse thirty-two, uh, chapter 32, verse number eight, what God essentially did was with the Tower of Babel, God got fed up. And he says, OK, Genesis 3, you messed up, but I'm trying it again with Noah and his family. Genesis 6, y'all messed up. And man has been messing up ever since, right? So when we get to Genesis 11, God says, okay, you know, I'm I'm, I'm getting tired of this. So if y'all don't want me to be your God, if you don't want to have a relationship with me, the Most High, the Creator, then I will assign you to lesser gods, okay? God is species unique. There is no one or nothing like him. And so to that end, any one that he creates, by definition, is lesser. Y'all with me? Even the celestial beings, they are lesser. Now, why am I bringing that up? Well, I'm bringing that out because that means only God is perfect. These celestial beings have the power of choice, just like we do. We can choose to serve God or we can choose to not serve God. All right. And we're going to see that uh, uh, in just a few minutes here. And so Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 9, God, he divides the people. And now this is where your different nations come into play. That's why verse number eight starts out the way it does. He says, when the most high gave to the nations, the nations, Remember, they were one. They were one people and one voice, one language before this. okay. so now when God does this, he takes his portion. His portion is Jacob, Israel. Now, one more thing on this uh, 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 whole sons of God phrase uh, and the Masoretic text, because we stated before the Masoretic text says that it is the sons of Israel. You know, this is not the sons of Israel. You know, that's an incorrect re- uh, interpretation, reading, because Israel's not made yet. We're in Genesis 11. Israel is not made yet. Israel starts with God and Abraham. That's the next chapter. And I believe y'all had a, po- a series of podcasts on that before. After Genesis 11, The very next thing you read is Genesis 12, where God gets with Abraham. Israel is not made yet. And so that's the scribal era with the Masoretic text. The Dead Sea Scrolls has the correct uh, rendering or interpretation with sons of God. So God, he now has given uh, the different nations over to lesser Elohim, sons of God. Now, It is important for you to note that the sons of God at that point were in fellowship with God. Okay. They were in fellowship with God. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, when Israel is up and running, you know, they start with one man, Abraham. Then they morph into a family. Then they morph into a tribe. And then eventually a nation. Right. That's why he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then, of course, with Jacob, Israel, 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel they turn into a nation eventually. This is God working his plan. But remember, before that, God has his portion. Now, before that, God split the nations and gave them to lesser Elohim. So now this takes us to Psalm 82. All right. And I'll give your, your listeners a, a few minutes to get there. Psalms 82. This right here is a powerful, a powerful chapter, okay? Because it gives you a great deal of insight. Psalm 82. And this is a psalm uh, penned and performed by Asaph, all right? Now, watch what he says. I, I need to take the time to read this because this is crucial, okay? Because we're focusing on, you know, the rebellion with the Tower of Babel. So we're dealing with Genesis 11. We went to Deuteronomy 32, 8, and 9, and now we're going to Psalm 82. All three tie in together. Now watch this. Psalm 82 says, and I'm reading from the ES, ESV version, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. That first verse right there is, is telling you a lot already. Okay? God comes down into the middle, or he takes his place in the midst of the gods, the divine council, And God is holding judgment. Okay, he's coming with a purpose, right? He's coming to deal with them. Verse number two says, how long will you judge unjustly? He's talking to these gods. And show partiality to the wicked. Wait a minute. Already you can see something is off here. Hold on. <laughs> see, listen, when God turned over those nations in Genesis 32, those gods were in fellowship with the Most High. We don't know what happened over the course of time, but we, specifically, but we do know that they fell away. And you can already see that. In verses one and two, this whole thing is is, is geared toward that thing. They fail. So you've got rebellions all through scripture. <laughs> you just got to find them, right? And so let me continue to read this. Uh, let me start over so it can have flow. Verse number one, God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods. He holds judgment. God says, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Verse three, give justice to the weak and the fatherless, maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Y'all look at what these these sons of God have done. They've messed things up. They're not taking care of the needy. They're not taking care of the weak. They're showing partiality to the wicked, right? And God says, verse number five, look at it. He says, all the foundations of the earth are shaken. Everything messed up, right? Now watch what he says to these gods. Watch what God says to, to the divine counsel. He said, I said, you are gods, sons of the most high, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall. Like any prince. Remember, verse one said that God was holding judgment. He was coming to judge them. Okay, now watch this. This is going to be key. The last verse. Watch what the prophet said. Watch what Asaph says. He breaks away from that and he says himself, arise, O God. He's talking to the most high. Judge the earth for you shall inherit all the look at that last word nations, okay? And so you can kind of see now, I'm going to get into it in a a little bit, but you can kind of see right now that God is bringing back, he's trying to bring back the nations. Why does he need to bring them back? Because he gave them over. Y'all see what I'm saying? He gave them over. And if you are a student of the Old Testament, you know this, the Israelites were fighting everybody. They fighting the Amalekites, they fighting the Jebusites, the Perizzites, the Amorites, all these different the Canaanites, they fighting everybody. Why? Because of these gods. Y'all see what I'm saying? The, the, these gods fell away. Okay? Um a key component, uh, or, or yeah, a key component in Israel's history is with Egypt. Y'all remember in Egypt when God says, This night I will come down and I will defeat the gods. Y'all get what I'm saying? All this stuff ties together. Those gods defected. And you see their judgment. Verse number seven in chapter 82 of Psalm. God says, let me start at verse number six. God says, I said you are gods, sons of the most high, all of you. Verse number seven, here it is. Nevertheless, like men you shall die and fall like any prince. It seems to me that they're going to be stripped of their celestial or immortality. They're going to die, right? And this is getting ahead and a little bit off a little bit, but you wonder why our society coming to the present? You wonder why our society is so messed up? Because they know. <laughs> it's because they know this is, uh, this is all they got. They know God is coming back he's coming back and 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 i mean they try to prolong their their inevitability of judgment they're trying to prolong that as long as they can because you know once god comes back that's it it's over you you get what i'm saying so I, there are a lot of other places i can go to 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 reinforce uh, Psalm eighty-two and and all of the implications that go with it, but let's go ahead and move on because I, I I got a duty to to get to uh, Matthew and uh, Acts chapter two to show uh, the significance of what God did. See, when you when you study stuff like this, man, you you really develop a, a deep appreciation of what Jesus did because you know we term them angels, but that's kind of a uh, that's kind of um, That's kind of a misuse of the word, okay? Because an angel simply means a messenger, okay? Uh, Preachers are messengers. People who teach, they can be a messenger, right? Typically hear your preachers say, you know, uh, in in present day, you know, the angel of this house uh, and all that type stuff. Angels are messengers, right? These are celestial beings. That's what they are, right? And oftentimes when we just assign angel to them, we kind of miss, you know, all that comes with, you know, the, the the true definition of these beings, these terms and all of that. So when you hear, you know, Christ coming down, being made lower than the angels, man, you, you going to develop, trust me when I tell you, you're going to develop an appreciation for Christ and what he did because he's God he created not only us he created them yet he comes down and he's lower than them why do, how do you know that because he assumes he fully embraces humanity he comes down as a man right i, I, I every time I, I get to talking about christ and jesus man it, it blows my mind and i get i get excited y'all got that y'all got to excuse me um, because <laughs> he made them. He made them. He made us. And it really, it really shows you that. See, see, God don't have a plan B. God don't have plan C. This is plan A, and God is going to see it through. See the 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 first messianic uh, 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 prophecy. Genesis 3, 15, you know, when God is dealing with the fall, he's like, man, what did you do? And he's pointing to the woman. Woman, what did you do? And she's pointing to the original rebel, the Nahash. And then he deals with them and he's, he, he he puts out that prophecy. He says, listen, I'm putting enmity between your seed. He's talking to that original rebel, which is a son of God. Stay with me. A son of God, because he was in fellowship with God before. Check out Ezekiel and Isaiah. He was in fellowship with God. And so he puts that prophecy out. He says, I'm putting enmity between your seed and her seed. Well, well, hold on. Her seed? Her seed? Who's he talking about? He's talking about that woman. Well, that woman is not a celestial being. That woman is a human, humanity, man. So God says, you are going to bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. I'm trying to show you how deep God is and how much he loves us. His original intent was to dwell with man, humanity, but the original rebel messed that up, and so God says, "It is man that is going to defeat you." Y'all missed it because I know we're saying Jesus. Jesus became a man, and so therefore humanity defeats. Y'all got <laughs> listen. All of us we are we're God's we're God's family. God has a celestial family. He has a human family. And so, in reality, the celestial beings, there are older brothers. Make sense? There are older brothers, right? And y'all know how it is if you have siblings or whatnot, the older brother is always kind of dogging the little brother, whatever case it is, right? The old, one of the older brothers here really messed up. Like, they, they really messed up. They ain't like us. They hate us, right? Now, watch this. You see a theme throughout scripture of a younger brother superseding the older brother. That's all throughout scripture. Jacob Esau, right? Did I get it right Yeah, Jacob Esau. Joseph with the dream. Y'all see that? Mm -hmm. It's all throughout scripture. David. I mean, Samuel came and looked at all the older brothers. And God said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, not him, not him, not him." And then, hey, "Hey, Jesse, you got any more?" And he said, "Yeah, I got a young lad. here. out there tending the shepherds." God, man, tell me, went over there and That's him, David. That's him, younger brother. That theme runs throughout Scripture, all of Scripture. And so here it is with us. We're the younger brother, and to ensure our victory. I'm trying to show you how much God loves you to ensure our victory. He comes down and becomes a man. He's lower than the angels, right? But let me get on here because you know I get to talking and and been, uh, missed all the stuff that I was supposed to do. So let's go ahead and get to uh, Matthew. I need to get to Matthew here. Matthew, uh, let's go to uh, 28. And and every time I come to this chapter and I start dealing with you know, uh, the great commission. I always think of my good brother, Nick, Nixon, silver knee. Uh, I call him affectionately. That's the, that's the evangelist right there, yes <laughs> That's a uh, Lizzie. Lizzie is a little side joke. Nick loves sharing the word so much. I believe he'll try to, he'll try to convert Jesus. <laughs> if Jesus came down, they could try to share the gospel with Jesus. So, <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and take a look at this here, the great commission. We all know this uh we're very familiar with this uh this particular scripture here. Jesus uh <clears throat> let me let me start at verse 16 so we can get like the full <clears throat> the full context. Obviously this is after uh the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, right? Uh, verse sixteen, Matthew six, uh, uh, Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse number sixteen, and I'm reading from the NSAB verse uh, translation on this Bible says, "But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When he saw him, they were I'm sorry, when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful." Verse eighteen, and Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, "All." Authority. Don't miss this, y'all. All authority has been given to me. Where? Watch this now. In heaven and on earth. You can't miss that. <laughs> I know sometimes that we read, when we read scripture, we just run over stuff and we're trying to get to a to a point. But there, there, there are multiple points in, in Scripture, man, if you, if you just slow down and just catch them. Watch this now. All authority, power has been given to me. First of all, who's speaking? The incarnated Christ. The resurrected Christ. Right? The God-man. And the man God. I just told you, I just went through that whole spiel about the younger brother. The younger brother wins <laughs> because of God. That's how much he loves us. Now, watch this. This is the resurrected Christ. He says, All authority has been given. Christ is speaking. Well, who gave it to him? Mm, come on, y'all. Who gave it to him? The Father. <laughs> the Father gave. The resurrected Christ, the one and only son who accomplished God's plan, God gives him all authority. Now, why is that significant? Because of Genesis 11? Because of Deuteronomy 32? See, those sons of lesser Elohim, those sons of God, they legitimately had authority. Y'all see what I'm saying? They had it legitimately. Why? Because God gave it to them. And so in order for God to get that back, Christ had to do what he did. And that's why he explains here. He says all authority right now because I died. I was buried, but I got up. Right. He says now, I, excuse me, I have all authority. It's been given to me. Watch it. In heaven. In heaven. The celestial beings ain't down here with us. In heaven. I got it now. And on earth. Now watch this. Here's the great commission. He says to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples. Watch it. Of all I, listen, I need a little help. Y'all unmute your mic real quick and, and answer this question for me. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all the... Y'all may not have it. Do y'all have the a b version? Okay. What does he say? Of all the what?
1: I'm King James. Nations. All nations.
0: All nations. I told you to, to underline that 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 term. Nations. Nations. Why would Jesus say nations here? nations <laughs> because God in Genesis 11 divided the, the the nations. So here it is. Jesus gets back the nations. So he's telling his disciples, go make disciples of all nations. Now let me tie this into the evangelistic piece here. This is why we who are saved, believers, you know, children of God. This is why we need to be about the Father's business and spreading the gospel because we are getting back the nations.
1: D, let me say something real quick because um, you you brought up a, a lot of great points. I know you said that God uh, separated the nations in Genesis 11, but, mm-hmm. but like you said, a lot of it had to do with the sons of God. Uh, rebelling against god and i think you mentioned that there we see these things happening even to this day and i know before you get into baptism and in jesus christ let's talk about a little bit about racism because we see Mm -hmm. we see how that's permeating (laughs) our culture today so we see we still see residue of uh genesis 11 Um, that's taking place uh, regarding racism so let's talk about that a little bit and and tie that in how god intent is to bring all nations together but yeah we still see this nation in this world still being segregated so let's talk about that
0: absolutely yeah yeah sure um uh that's that's something that is is prevalent you know in in our in our current uh society um You know what though? Whenever I talk about this though, I always try to make it a point to elevate the perspective and help people to see the spiritual. Right? A lot of times when people deal with racism, you know, we're dealing it on the human level. Well, well, black, you know, white don't like black, and black don't like white, and then you even got different race uh, uh, types of racisms within like the very same culture. Right? Uh, For instance, you know. <clears throat> the mulattoes or the light skin color blacks versus the dark skin color blacks. And, you know, then you've got the differences within the different humanic, uh, his, uh, Hispanic, uh, communities. Well, this one don't like that one. The Cubans don't like the, you know, this one. And, uh, uh, Dominicans don't like this one. The Puerto Ricans don't like it. And it's like, you know, I, I, I try to, uh, Elevate the perspective and help folk to see it's almost as if we're we're like we're puppets and we're being we're being played. Right. You have to see uh, the spirit behind it. Paul tells us, you know, over in Ephesians, listen, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. He's talking about those sons of God. That's what he's talking about. And all of it. You know, oftentimes we are dealing with, you know, these supernatural entities, but it's on a spiritual level. And oftentimes we miss the boat because we're trying to fight a spiritual fight physically. If that makes sense. You know, you cannot fight a spirit. It's, it's, it's like the old adage that says, don't bring a, a knife to a gunfight. Well, that's essentially what we're doing. You can't fight spirit physically. You got to fight spirit with spirit. You you, you understand? And so, um, you know, that racism thing. And, and let me tell you something. Racism is not exclusive to white and black. It's, it's not. And I often tell people, you know, uh, this is something that I'm still studying. Uh, you know, slavery didn't originate in the, you know, the uh, uh, 1800s with the Atlantic slave trade and all that. It didn't originate there you understand what I'm saying? Like, I mean, we, we, you know, especially African-Americans, we, we heavy with the scriptures and rightfully so, but I always tell them, listen, did you really look at the Egypt story? 400 years, God's people, 400 years bondage, Egyptian bondage. Did you really look at that. I mean, we can't claim, you know, Oh, oh well we black, Egypt is black, black, black. Okay. Well then you got to have that same energy when you read and, that the Israelites were in Egyptian bondage for 400 years. And, and even if you take the position that, you know, the Israelites were black back then, that don't make it any better. Slavery still happened. You, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, we can't, you know, we can't sensationalize it when we want to. Oh, Egypt was white. You know, we trying to be like Hollywood back then. No, no, you claiming we was black. Egypt was black. Is it Africa and all of that? Okay, well, <laughs> we enslaved folk. back <laughs> did. You, you understand what I'm saying? And, and even if, like I said before, even if the Israelites were black, that, ain't, that don't make it better. We enslaved them.
1: <laughs> when you're talking about Genesis 11 and, and you're talking about Matthew 28, I, people, I want people just like you. I want them to see the spiritual dynamics that's taking place and don't look at from the physical because I want people to make right. that connection. When you talk about Genesis 11, you see the split. You see people are scattered because of, of the rebellion mm-hmm. and the sons of God. But you see how God is intentional in, Genesis, mm-hmm. in Matthew 28, where he's bringing all these nations together. So that means we as Christians, mm-hmm. it, we have to take, make that initiative to, to embrace God's creation. And that's the unity yeah. in that, that we find in Christ. So that's why I didn't want you to just dive right into 28, because I really wanted people to understand the connections of what's taking place right now, that God is bringing everybody okay. together. It's not about color. He's bringing all the right. people throughout the world together.
0: And, and let me just say this real quickly, and then Sister, Sister Adney, I'm going to let you go here. Uh, diversity really, really comes from God. Just look at just look at the creation I mean everything is so creatively different right uh, it, it, the strong sense of similarity and sameness but a strong sense of diversity right and and there's there's something to be said about that you know I love my my Asian brothers and sisters I love my Hispanic brothers and sisters I love my Caucasian brothers and sisters there's diversity that comes from God. But like everything else, you know, the original rebels and rebel and devils out there, demons—they pervert what God, you know, has created, and that's essentially what we have with racism. You know, one group thinking that they're better than another group. I heard a preacher say this one time, and and then I'm gonna turn it over to you, my sister. You know, he was talking about you know if you in a situation or anybody in a situation where you know. Something happened real bad, and they needed blood like like fast. Needed a transfusion real fast. You know, doctor and the nurses ain't they're talking about some? Hey, hey, I need some white blood for this white person. No, give me the the, the same type blood that you need. Type O, type y'all. Y'all know that. Nick, you know that you in that field. Uh, you know they like, ain't talking about some man. If I'm if I'm seriously injured and I need some blood, and, and, and it's a white person or a Hispanic person that got the same type of me, man, give me that blood. We're talking about some man. Give me some white blood. Give me some black blood.
2: I think what also needs to happen is we see the word nations. God never spoke about race. He spoke about nations. And I think that's what needs to be the focal point for us. God doesn't see us as races because it's only one race. He created Hugh. Manity, we're humans, one complete race with different shades. And I think once, once people really truly understand the word racism is completely obsolete where God is concerned because he didn't create races, he created one, one. And that's the human race. And I I believe so wholeheartedly if we as humans would look to see how beautiful God created each and every single one of us, if we would see the the different shades, the just amazing. Like my son is half Puerto Rican and and Haitian. And guess what? Haitians are Latin. (laughs) We are afro Latino. Like the only difference is the skin color. That's it. But we're not different races. Now, if I'm saying that a dog, that's a different race. A cat, that's a different breed of, but we're one. And just to see how beautiful Jesus came and said, go and teach all nations. He ain't say races. He said nations, nations. And that's what our ministers, the ones standing in the in, in, in the place that God has placed them, need to reiterate to us, nations, not races. And, and that's what was burning in my in my heart. It's like, wow, he didn't talk about race. He said nations.
0: Nations. There it is. <laughs> nations. And I and, and I think, you know, uh all of that stuff, like we were saying before probably in a more specific way. Uh, But if I can generalize it, I think all of that racism extends from those fallen sons of God. You know, once, once, uh, you know, Genesis 11 happened uh, again, I I truly believe that diversity comes from God. But I, I think it's perverted by the fallen, you know, the fallen sons of God. You know, I find this interesting too. You know, if you look at their different cultures, each of them have, you know, uh, and it could be incorrect. That's fine. I'm, I don't, I don't too much, you know, too much put too much stock or care into how, you know, the color skin of the picture of Jesus. But you know, the Caucasian they got that that pretty looking Jesus with the wavy hair and all that stuff, right? Then you got, uh, you know, us African Americans, we got them with dreads and you know, dog skin and whatnot. And you can look at the Hispanic culture. They got him with that that Latin flavor. You know what I'm saying? But, but but here's the thing, though. Each of these nations have a depiction of him. You, you see what I'm saying? They have a depiction of him. So it goes back to the point. Nations. You see what I'm saying? Just, just, just point the nations to Jesus. That Holy Spirit going to do his work. Trust me. So, so I, you know, I don't trip. You know, I don't I don't trip when, you know, we we see these different depictions of him. Uh, just just make sure you're looking at him. That's 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 my thing. But here it is again, you know, the reoccurring term or theme of nations back to to uh, the Great Commission here, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Right all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make, I need to sit down on 19 because we believe, and let me be clear with this. Let me, let me because this is the new year, 2022. And we believe that salvation comes from Jesus. Jesus saves. And so when we emphasize baptism, we are not talking about baptismal regeneration. We do not believe that the power is in the water within of itself. In other words, the water within and of itself does not save you. We emphasize baptism because it is a condition set by the Savior that we must meet. And I need to be clear with that. Okay, okay. So let's deal with baptism in this context right here. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now watch this. The word go is not your main verb in that sentence. Go is a participle. Participles describe how you carry out the main verb. Y'all forgive me you know for the you know the whole gra- grammatical spiel here but go is a participle it is how you carry out the main verb what's the main verb the main verb in that sentence is make disciples all right and this is why i always you know when i'm when i am over in this scripture i'm thinking of my brother nick that's that's the evangelist right there that's why y'all that's why y'all listening to this podcast right now because that's his mission that's his purpose It really is all the it really is the purpose of all God's children. okay. but to make disciples of all nations. Well, how do you do that? Your question becomes, how do you make disciples of all nations in this context? Baptizing them. Baptizing them. I'm not lost. I just want to repeat this. Baptizing them. Guess what? baptizing is a participle and what did I tell you participles do they tell you how the main verb is carried out so in this context how does one become a disciple by baptizing them (laughs) that's why we push that and so I know there's you know pushback against baptism and this that and other and there are other places we can go uh with regards to showing the 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 essentiality of baptism in the salvation process let me just i won't go into all of it right there let me just say this there's a young brother uh who preaches at at uh um uh in atlanta georgia called orpheus hayward um what's the name of that kind of resident i think it's residents uh help me out Renaissance, there it is. There it is. I'm I'm listening. (laughs) Renaissance, uh, uh, church, uh, Church of Christ in Atlanta, Georgia. He has a book dealing with baptism. You can get that book on on uh, Amazon. I think you can get it in Apple Books. It's on several you know uh, social media platforms. Uh, I would encourage your podcast listeners to get that book with regards to baptism. He takes a very in-depth grammatical look and analysis at baptism throughout scripture and he shows you how uh, uh baptism is essential to the salvation process okay now I, I will leave it up to him to to explain it because that brother that brother showing up did a good job with that uh that thing now but yeah a, a general yeah yeah put it put yeah put it in the notes put it in the notes and and um Uh, That way your your podcast listeners can uh, have access to that if they feel so disposed. But the general general overview of this here is, yes, baptism is essential. Why? Because it is a condition set by Jesus. And baptism is the occasion where what Christ did is applied to the believer. So when you are saved, and we're going to see that in just a minute, when you are saved when you are baptized that's where God applies what Christ did to you that's why baptism is essential okay and so uh, uh like we said before or- Orpheus Hayward like really spells that out in his book uh so go ahead and do that he- he's also on YouTube there's a lot of clips of him on YouTube so I mean your your podcast listeners can can look him up and get a lot of free stuff that he's saying on YouTube Um, Okay, so let me just finish this out and then we can get on to Acts 2 because I know you got to go. Let me know, Nick. But um, Christ says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And there you have it, the great commission. Christ has all authority and he is commanding his disciples to make disciples of all nations. Okay. So real quickly, let's go ahead and go to Acts chapter two, Acts chapter two. We want to go here because this is the first historical uh, record account of conversion of the church (laughs) of what Christ did.
2: May I ask this question before you continue? Yes, ma'am. Because many of our, brothers and sisters in the world who subscribe to um, I believe that Jesus, uh, no, um, I asked Jesus into my heart so I'm saved. I don't need to get baptized because this is what is taught to me. Can you, as you're teaching, let them understand That's not what the word says. We need to stick to what God asks us to do and not what man says for us to do in order to be saved because we have a lot of people who believe wholeheartedly. They are following Christ. I mean, they are the lovers. Like they, they outdo some of us Christians, but their salvation is strictly based upon them accepting Jesus into their heart and that's it. So can you... Sh- literally like show them this is what it is this is how you come into salvation with Christ.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um <clears throat> an easy answer is to go to the scriptural references that that deal with uh baptism. But uh, you know what I found interesting, uh what I found throughout my let me let me put it this way my growth in sharing the word with with folk like that especially those who are already in a you know uh Wherever denomination or whatever the case is, baptism, whatever the case is. What I found is uh, prayer and patience, my sister, because in my studies, salvation is a process, right? And we'll see that in Acts chapter 2 here in just a minute. Belief is just as important as baptism, repentance is just as important as baptism, confession is just as important. As baptism, you know what that tells me that all of it is extremely important and a process. You understand what I'm saying? So even those who, well, I accepted Jesus in my heart and haven't get ba- been baptized yet and don't believe in the essentiality of baptism. I pray for them and I'm patient with them. And I ask God for wisdom to help me, you know, to, to be what he needs me to be. Because remember, my mandate is to go make Disciples of all nations, and so for some it's going to take a little time, you know. And I think we just kind of we we just kind of have to rely on that that model that we frequently quote, you know. Uh, Apollo's I planted the seed, Apollo's water, God gave the increase. You, you understand what I'm saying? Because all of it is important, and I look at it as a, as a process because it is, and so. For some, the process is taking a little bit longer, right? And we have to pull down those strongholds that they have, right? And take every thought captive to, you know, to 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 God and to Christ uh, and to uh, the gospel of Jesus. So so I think some of this we'll see in Acts chapter two. Yes, sir.
1: Let me just add a few words. And you're right. I know you brought up the name Apollos. So I could remember Priscilla and Aquila. They they taught mm-hmm. Apollos the way. And this was the person that was mighty mm-hmm. in the scriptures. And when you mentioned that, I, right. I think that I think you nailed it when you said it, we have to be patient because God was right. patient with us and he expects us to do the same thing with others. Like, I don't knock people. So right. when people, yes, are zealous about God, yes, I teach them the way. And if they don't want to receive it day one or within a week or a month, it's okay. But as long as that mm-hmm. I'm planting the seed, and I think we as Christians, right. we, we have to have that, that notion that, hey, people are not going to come to Christ right away. They're not going to get it right away. Like my aunt, she's a Catholic. Right. I don't knock my aunt for that. I just continue to teach her, hey, aunt, this is the scripture. Mm-hmm. She, it may take a 10, 15 years, 20 years, who knows? But right. I, like you said, we got to continue to pray and we got to continue to be patient and continue to teach whenever that God give us the opportunity. Absolutely.
0: And one, one, uh, one account readily comes to mind, and I'm going to try to get this out quick because I, I know we, we press for time. Uh, when Paul is dealing with, uh, I forget, King Agrippa, and he says, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You know, so I think that's a, a, a good example of that. Um, I think it kind of ends, you know, in terms of a gripper. We don't know what happened after that. Hopefully, the brother got <laughs> saved. But uh, you know, we we, uh, we all have them. Trust me, I, I I've had relatives.
1: I'm, I'm a Baptist to the day I die, and I ain't got to worry about no baptism. You know,
0: okay. And uh, you know, you just do your very best to study, live the life. Be that example. And then, you know, just be wise and continue to bring it to their attention. All right. So let me get to Acts chapter two here. Right. Uh, real quickly, we know and I, I got to run fast and paraphrase here. Acts chapter two, we know the Holy Spirit comes down, you know, uh, cloven tongues like a fire as a fire sit upon uh, those who were up in the upper room. So let me get down to watch this here. Uh, verse number seven. They were amazed and astonished, saying, "Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? This is the multitude." Okay. Once the Spirit came, rushing mighty wind, sat upon uh, the uh, 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 the apostles uh, at that time there before the multitude. Verse number seven. They were amazed. The multitude is astonished, saying, "Why are not all these speaking Galileans? And how is it that we he we each hear them in our own language?" Uh to which we were born, very quickly, what you're seeing here is the reverse of Genesis 11. You're seeing the reverse of the Tower of Babel. See, back then, remember, God came down and he confounded their language, all different languages now. And then they are separated and given to the lesser gods. You got your nations. But here you have a bunch of nations coming on Pentecost. Right. How do you know that? Well, let's look at it. Verse number nine. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya and Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. Good God Almighty Ain't God good. You see all them nations there? And check this out. Holy Spirit came, did his thing, right? Clothing. Watch this. I should have read it, but I was rushing. Clothing tons. Let me get it right here real quickly. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues. Y'all see that? That's language, y'all. That's language. (laughs) Why? Because we got to deal with all these different nations that I just read. Tongues as of fire distributing themselves and they rested on each of them and they were filled with the holy ghost and began to speak with other tongues. There it is. As the spirit was giving them utterance. Speaking in tongues. That's just speaking in a different language, y'all. That's all it is. (laughs) It's just speaking a different language. So guess what? If it's some Hispanics there, they were speaking that Espanol. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? If it was some Russians there, they were speaking Russian. You know what I mean? But we know who's there. I just read you the nations. And so again, what you have is the reversal of Babel, the Tower of Babel. Isn't God good? He reversed it. Now. You've got unity because now the spirit has given the apostles the ability to speak to all these different people. That's why the people said that they were astonished, saying, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How do we understand them in our own tongues? Reversal of Babel. Then and I invite your readers to read chapter, Acts chapter two, all of it. It's awesome. Peter goes deep into this sermon. He gives you the first gospel sermon. He preaches Jesus. Now watch this because I want to get to I want to get to uh, what uh, uh, what sister Annie was talking about <clears throat> All right so let me go to verse 36 very quickly. Peter says, therefore let all the house of Israel know uh, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ this Jesus whom you crucified Now watch this. Now, when they heard this, this is the multitude, they were pierced to the heart. What do you have there? You have belief. Y'all see that? That's belief. Okay. And they said to Peter, now, this is the opposite of what you were talking about, Sister Adney. They were so pricked that they, they interrupted Peter. They interrupted the sermon. Man, like, like what do we do? Like, like how, how can we be saved? Peter says, watch this, verse 38. Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Watch this now. So so I'm trying to tie this all in. There it is, Sister me You will have some. Who it just happens. But then there's some that, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit, uh, it takes a little longer. We'll leave it like that, right? But watch this. What did Peter say you receive here? He says, Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Eden. Remember, I told you in the beginning, God's original intention, Eden. Eden, and it's prophesied in in Peter's sermon. Okay, Peter. uh, Peter says that when he quotes Joel. I ran past it, but let me see if it's here. He quoted Joel. Yeah, right here, verse number seventeen. When he starts the sermon, he says, "And it shall be in the last days." Well, let me start at 16, but this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. He's, he's talking about eating. I'm, I, no matter what you do, God is going to get his original intention where he dwells with mankind. We get it here with the gift of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2.38. And then when we go to be with him forevermore, he gets it back in full. The Eden experience. We are with him. Okay. I know it must have been difficult for your podcast and the podcast <laughs> listeners to listen to me <laughs> for an hour. But this has been an honor. It really truly has been an honor.
2: I'm just in awe, just the way that you broke this down. It, it To me, it gives a simplistic way of understanding why God does what he does, why he has done what he has done since from the beginning is to have a relationship with us, to have intimacy with us. Um, I love to hear people say, God knows my heart. Because I I want people to understand when you open your mouth and you say God knows your heart, you better really truly consider what you're saying because he actually does know your heart. He created it. He's in it. He's he's with you. He's watching you every single thing that you say. So I'm so grateful And thankful that you walked us through this journey because literally it was like an experience for me personally, just listening to you, breaking it down that way. And it helped us to understand this is why when I was hungry for Christ. And I'm sitting in front of my television watching TBN and sending money to them. And the Holy Spirit said, oh, she's hungry. Let me send somebody her way to teach her the gospel. And I was invited to that congregation. And I walked into that building and my spirit was like, you are home. You don't need to look nowhere else. And when I told my sister I'm home, I meant it. God called my spirit home and it could be done for you. If you are truly truly searching for god if you're searching for that relationship whomever you are quiet your spirit and i promise you god will lead someone your way that will teach you the gospel that will lead you directly to where he intends for you to be like,
1: yeah for me yes, man. Uh, i mean it was just uh just a pleasure just to sit back and just to uh listen for the first time right because i'm usually the one talking with my guests but just to just to hear the things that you shared, not only with us, but even with our listeners, uh, the Tower of Babel, and even how God brought all the nations together. Um, I, I, it's a few things that came to my mind. I thought about God's love. I thought about God's protection. Um, because I think one of the things that's, that's overlooked when we hear, when we uh, listen or read about the story of Jesus Christ, I guess one person has to ask themselves, what is God protecting us from? What happened mm-hmm. in Genesis that was so bad that God is protecting us from? So the thing is what I gleaned from even the things that you shared, I look, okay, God is protecting us from us. Because if you leave it up to us, we're going to self-destruct because we don't know mm-hmm. any better. So that's number one. That's from the physical aspect. But I know you tied into a lot of spiritual the spiritual dynamics of what's going on in Genesis 11 and even uh, Acts chapter 2. I think that if God unveils our eyes and we see the things that's really going on, I think that people would run to mm-hmm. the body of Christ. And I think that's what yes. that's what I want yes. people to get out of this, this show, that here, don't just look on the physical. What Jesus Christ came down for, he came to protect us, yes, from the, these beings, these beings that want us mm-hmm. to self-destruct. Because God didn't create mm-hmm. hell for humans. He created them mm-hmm. for the rebellion. The, the I like what you said, celestial beings. That's what I'm going to refer to them as. Mm-hmm. They ain't going to be called angels. They will be called mm-hmm. celestial beings. So God, because of his love, God said, you know, I got to come down to humanity because I got to protect humanity from these celestial beings. And what I like what God did, according to Acts 2.38, God gave us. The Holy Spirit, Emmanuel, God is with Mm -hmm. us because the enemy, he fears God. Because God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, Mm -hmm. but a power, love, and a sound mind. And we talked about this in episode three when Jesus was baptized, his human sides were baptized. He went into the wilderness. He didn't go into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit led him into the, the wilderness to defeat the wiles of the devil. So I believe that God, he has given us us all the tools to combat these celestial beings, but it's really up to humanity Mm -hmm. to submit their ways, their will to God's purpose, and they'll find hope. They'll find a love and a peace that we all share in the body of Christ.
0: One last thing, and I know you got to go, but this right here uh, really sums it up for me and what we were talking about in terms of that spiritual warfare. Um, One of my favorite chapters in all of scripture, Romans chapter eight, the entire chapter is my favorite, the entire chapter. But when you get to the end, just listen to this real quickly. Verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? This is Paul talking, right? And Paul had a really good handle on this spiritual warfare. Okay. Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Just as, as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that, now before I start reading that, y'all remember what I was saying, what he was saying before, neck and his famine, in Peril's war. That's physical. That's physical. That's a terrestrial, right? But now watch what he says here. Pay attention and keep in mind what we talked about with the spiritual warfare. Watch what he says here. But in all these things, we are overwhelmingly con- we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. Verse thirty-eight. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, watch this, nor angels, nor principalities. Nor things present, watch this, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, depth, any other created thing. Watch this. Y'all can't miss this. Paul is going even beyond when we get with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Catch this now. Even beyond when we get with him, when when, when we go back with him. Nothing else created. I don't care what it is, Paul said. Way in the distant future when we with him, nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. Do you know how deep that is? Watch this. When we started and we talked about Genesis 1, we were separated. Y'all missed it. <laughs> yeah. We were separated, y'all. Genesis 6, separated. Genesis 11, God himself separated. Right? Look at uh, the scriptures all throughout the Old Testament. God had to divorce Israel. Separated. Right? But Paul, he's got a handle on this thing, man. He said, man, listen. Right now, listen. When you in Christ Jesus, that's the beginning of chapter 8. When you in Christ Jesus... Ain't no condemnation. That's first and foremost. Man, when he get down here, Paul start getting happy. he get happy like me, right? And he just started going, listen, listen. Distress, man, get out of here. Tribulation, nah. Famine, nah. Nakedness, peril, sword, none of that. That's physical. But then he takes it to the spiritual. And he says, not even death. And that's the greatest weapon the enemy has. He started with the greatest weapon the enemy has. He said, not even death, nor life. Nor angels, principalities, things present, nor things to come, nor powers, height, depth, nothing will separate us from the love of
1: God. Amen. Man, this going to be oh, a drop. powerful, powerful twenty twenty two year. Conquer this year in Jesus' name. All right, world. So there you have it, Daryl Smith. Um, Adney probably going to look at me sideways because I said Daryl Smith, but I'm going to say Brother Smith. <laughs> Until then, remember that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lord. Be blessed. That's it for now. But before we go, please continue to listen, subscribe, and share our podcast. Also, if you want to support our show, please scroll down to the bottom of the show notes and click on the link that says buy me a coffee. We would greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening. And remember, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. And also, Jesus Christ loves you. Thank you. Wait. There's more. What if today was your last day on earth? Would you be ready to meet your maker? Well, Jesus Christ has given us the good news. He told his disciples in Mark 16, 15, 16, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Jesus Christ has instructed his children to share and preach the gospel, which is the good news. Which means that Jesus Christ came and that he was sacrificed. He was buried and he rose on the third day. By believing and by repenting and confessing and being baptized, you will be saved. So it is your choice. Jesus Christ will not force you. You've heard the message. you heard personal testimonies. But this is your opportunity to give your life to Christ. Don't wait until tomorrow, because tomorrow is not promised. So I hope you submit to the will of God and give your soul to Christ. Be blessed.